0: Oh, 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 oh,
1: You, but when I hear that song, I'm like ready to do a little bit of a jig. (laughs) Thankful for you, I won't because I'm not a good dancer. All right, we're gonna get on here. What's up, guys? For those of you I haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Diana Henderson, and my husband and I get to be the campus pastors at our South End location, way down yonder. You know, we also have three kiddos, ages 10, 7, and 5, and we both work full-time in the marketplace. I lead global sales for an agriculture technology company. But our favorite thing to do is what we get to do at this church at Freedom House. You know, this church saved our lives. And we've been at this church for 15 years and so grateful for every single moment of it. I just wanna pay honor to our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell, because it wasn't, if it weren't for their vision and their willingness to lay it all down, I know I wouldn't be here and a lot of others, so can we just give it up for them? They're absolutely... Amazing, absolutely amazing. You know, if you're new to Freedom House, we have what's called a teaching team. It's a group of communicators. We rotate around each of our campuses every weekend so that you get a live Word of God. Pretty amazing, right? No video venues for us at Freedom House. And so Pastor Troy is down at our South End campus today. Pastor Penny is at Lake Norman. And y'all get me at Central and online want to welcome all of our online folks. We've got folks from California, Georgia, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Massachusetts, Missouri. And last service, we had some people tuning in from Spain and the United Kingdom. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> welcome. Glad you guys are with us. Well, sweet. I get the pleasure of wrapping up our series called The Dog Days of Summer. We've been in this series all summer long, and it's about avoiding the spiritual slump That sometimes we experience in the summer because, you know, the weather's warm, kids are out of school, you might be taking some summer retreats, and it's easy for our church attendance or even our relationship with God to take a back seat, but we're not going to do that here at Freedom House, right, because we're the real Christians. You know, speaking of summer retreat, I grew up in Germany, part of a military family. And so we never went on family vacations because we lived in a vacation destination. Like we traveled all around Europe on the weekends. So it wasn't until we moved back to the States that I first heard the term summer retreat. I was invited to this Young Life retreat. And it was at this sleepaway camp and we rode horses and did kayaking. It was absolutely Amazing. I love a good old summer retreat, right? Get to put your feet in the sand or maybe take a deep breath of mountain air. Can you just picture your favorite summer retreat right now for just a moment? Just go there. Pretty cool, right? Amazing. Even the Bible talks about the importance of summer retreats or retreating. Mark 631 says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Or my favorite, Psalm 23 verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me to lie down in green pastures, take a nap. Come on, somebody, right? He leads me. He restores my soul. You know, summer retreat generally has this positive connotation. But not all retreats have a positive connotation. You know, as an adult, I had a professional mentor who recommended that I go on this retreat with the Aspen Institute. Now, if you're not familiar, it's a policy studies organization. And so I show up at this estate in the middle of Maryland and there's all these esteemed elite leaders from each of their fields, medical doctors, attorneys, high ranking military officials, and me. And they take our phones take our phones away, they lock us in a room for three days and we're debating like Socratic literature, Hobbes, and and social justice issues that our nation has struggled with for the last 100 years. That was not fun. It was not relaxing. It was quite intense. Not all word, not all associations with the word retreat are positive. You know, when I was researching for this message, I came across this definition of retreat. It's the act of withdrawing from enemy forces as a result of their superior power. Withdrawing, disengaging. Sometimes things hit us in life that maybe we weren't expecting or that we feel ill-equipped for. And what do we do? We start to withdraw. We start to disengage. We start to retreat. You know, I researched some of the most common things that make us retreat and pull back in life. Number one, unemployment. You know, with the pandemic that our nation, our world faced last year, in the US in May, according to the Department of Labor, our unemployment rate was up to 16%. I've been there, unemployment's a tough place. Or how about physical or mobility impairments? You know, when I was in college, I got shingles, which I was like, I thought that was for old people. And I had shingles all over my face. And because it travels through the nerve endings, I had loss of, um, I had temporary paralysis on the left side of my face. Like this side would not move. So I was not going out of my house, y'all. I looked like a monster. Loss of a loved one sometimes that pulls us back from community. Sometimes it pulls us back from God. Or mental health conditions, that's the last one. According to the Mental Health Association of America, 19% of all adults in the US today are facing some sort of mental health condition. That's 47 million Americans struggling with anxiety or depression. We've all been there, right? In a place where we're struggling with something, and all we wanna do is stay at our house, hide in our beds, pull the covers up. But how many of you know that as Christians, as believers, now is not the time to retreat? We've got a real enemy who's attacking our government, he's attacking our school system, he's attacking our media outlets, and we've gotta stand ready to fight. But what the enemy's trying to do is render us inefficient to take down the kingdom of darkness. Now is not the time to retreat, y'all. So we're gonna talk today about avoiding the summer retreat. We're gonna avoid our vacation. We're gonna talk about avoiding the summer retreat because we need to be on guard. Y'all ready for this? I've got four things for you today and I would strongly encourage you to take some notes because the Holy Spirit downloaded some cool stuff. And you can do so in the Freedom House app. Just open it up, get your thumbs going, you can track your notes right in there. Y'all ready? Okay, number one, avoiding the summer retreat. We gotta draw on the word. We gotta draw on the word. You know, I can't tell you how many times in life something hit, an unexpected circumstances, an unexpected circumstance. And my first reaction was to phone a friend. Or go to Google, because, you know, Google knows the right thing to do in that situation, right? Or how about grab a good old self-help book, because surely there's an answer in there. Or I'm guilty of putting my hand to the plow. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to fix this myself. Anybody there? Or how about lay on the floor and just cry it out? <laughs> I've done that too. It feels good. doesn't really amount to anything. But that's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to draw on the word. You know, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 19, it refers to the one whose robe is dipped in blood. That's Jesus. And it says that his name literally means the word of God. So when you're reading your Bible, it's a dialogue with God. And here's the amazing thing. It's not a one-way exchange. It's a two-way exchange. Jesus talks back. Hebrews 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. Come on, somebody. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It, It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. If you ever need guidance, I don't know about you, but I'm walking through some stuff right now trying to figure out where I put my kids in school. You know where I've been looking for my answers? In the word of God, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true. Everybody say true. true. And, what make, and makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. I sometimes need somebody to tell me that, right? It straightens us out, helps us do what is right. It's God's way of making us well-prepared at every point fully equipped to do good to everyone. You know, when we draw on the word, God will literally illuminate our path. Psalm 119:105 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But here's the thing, the word of God is not just a defensive mechanism, it's offensive. It's literally a weapon that we can wield in the battle that we face today. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 17, and you will need, everybody say need, Need. the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But here's the thing, we've got to do what the word of God says, right? Anybody ever been to the, the, like a medical doctor before, have an ailment? Y'all are really quiet. (laughs) Okay. All right. You've been to the doctor. Good. Me too. You go to the doctor, and the doctor prescribes, like, some sort of treatment or therapy, right? Maybe it's a pharmaceutical or physical therapy or, you know, something that's natural. And then you don't actually do it. (laughs) Or how about you're looking for financial advice, and you go see an expert. And they're like, okay, spend here, save here, invest here, and do we do it? James warns us of this in chapter 1, verse 22. He says, don't fool yourselves into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. You know, early on in my career, I was climbing the corporate ladder, doing all the things, and by the grace of God, it was an accelerated path. But I had prioritized that over everything else in my life. And naturally, I was feeling empty. I was feeling lonely. And I was feeling weak, totally weak. I pull out my Bible. I did one of these. Anybody ever do that before? This is the scripture I came to. Second Corinthians 12 9. But he said to me, which I was like, oh, he's talking to me right now. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Whoa. I was like, oh my gosh, he's got my number. This scripture has literally become my life verse because I've adopted what the author Paul says in the next part. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power will rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong You know, if you don't have a life verse, I would strongly encourage you to get one because when the winds and the waves come on strong of life, you need to draw back to what the Word of God says to remind you that He prevails. We've got to draw on the Word. You can clap for God. That's good. Go ahead. He's good. Number two, avoiding the summer retreat, remember, you're not alone. Remember, You're not alone. Your darkest hour may be just the place that God is reminding you that you're not alone. You know, one of the most validating things I've ever heard going through a rough time was you're not alone. Isn't that great to hear? You're walking through something messy and somebody says, oh, I get you. I've been there. I know what that feels like. Like that's that's validating, it's affirming, right? I'm one of those people that I could be on the Titanic, literally a sinking ship. But if I'm surrounded by other people, like I'm good, I'm okay. Your darkest hour may be just the place that God is reminding you you're not alone. You know, when I was in middle school a long time ago, and middle school for me, man, that was just it was a tough time. Not only is it kind of an awkward set of years, or at least it was for me, I had acne and braces and my family had just moved back from Europe and we're trying to integrate back into civilian life. I'd moved by this point 16 times in 11 years. I was perpetually the new kid. And I was trying to make friends. I was trying to be everything to everyone. I was trying to belong. Which, by the way, don't you just love the sign in our lobby that says, you belong? Because when you walk in the doors at Freedom House, you do belong. I just felt low, like the lowest I can ever remember feeling. And I'm sitting in the hallway of my parents' house, and I had a knife in my hand. And I was prepared to do the unconscionable. And then the phone rings. And something told me to get off my butt and answer that phone. So I did. And on the other end was the sweet voice. Hi, Diana, this is Katie from school. I just wanted to let you know I was thinking about you. We should get together. I was like, oh. what a love note from the father yeah. to remind me. yeah." In such a dark place, he said, I see you and you are not alone. You know, David in the Bible went through a a, a prolonged period of darkness. His mentor and beloved leader, King Saul, not only turned on him, but then was trying to kill him. Can you imagine what that felt like? David prayed for this leader. He played music for him. He fought battle literally on the front lines to defend King Saul's life. And then King Saul turns on him, is chasing him. What does David do? He retreats. He runs and he hides. He goes to a place of hiding. First Samuel chapter 22, verse 1, that's how David escaped. And from there, he went to the cave. Everybody say the cave. Of Adullam to hide. And when his brothers and the rest of his family heard he was there, they went down to be with him. Also, a group gathered around him composed of those who were in debt or who were not content with Saul or who were in trouble. Soon, David was captain of about 400 such men. All right, I'm going to break this down because a lot just happened in that scripture. I want to start with the cave. I had y'all repeat that for a reason. Do you know that every single word in the Bible is intentional? So when I was reading that scripture, studying for this message, I'm like, why is it the cave and not a cave? And I start reading about the cave of Adullam, and it turns out it's a well-known place. It was a very familiar place. And as I'm reading that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Diana, this is a caution to all of you. You cannot make your place of retreat or isolation a familiar place. We can't make that a familiar place. You know, the other thing that's important in the Scripture is who goes to be with David when he retreats? Well, his family shows up, but then also a group of misfits, down and outers, outcasts of society, they surround him. So literally in David's darkest hour, he's surrounded. Can I tell you that that's the same for you today? Whatever you are facing, look around you. In this room right now, you are surrounded. If you're online, we got you covered virtually. You are surrounded. The messy divorce you walked through, maybe you're walking through that now, you're not alone. That custody battle where you've seen the worst of humankind, you are not alone. Or maybe you're in that waiting season waiting for your spouse or a baby or a job, you are not alone. You know, my favorite part of that scripture is where it says soon David was captain of about 400 such men. Your darkest hour may be not only the place that God is trying to show you that you're not alone, But he's showing you there's an audience of people that need to hear your story. Because here's David, like, I'm done. I'm out. But God's like, nope, there's 400 men that need you to be their captain. Isn't that how God works? You think you've benched yourself for the season, and he's like, nope, I need you in the game. There's people that need you. I don't know what you're facing today, but I'm here to remind you that you are not alone. Revelation 12:11 says, "They triumphed over him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb, Jesus, and the word of their testimony, their stories." And the best part of that scripture is it says they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back. You cannot retreat. You're not alone. Number three, avoiding the summer retreat. You gotta know who you're following. You gotta know who you're following. I don't know about you, but I turn on the news or social media and I'm like, I don't know what's truth. Y'all with me? Like, I literally am like, all right, Pastor Penny, which of these sources can I even trust? You know, there was a time in my lifetime where the media actually had to be, they had to have integrity in what they shared. There was accountability. They had to speak truth. That is not the case today. And you know, Peter warned us about this over 2,000 years ago in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets, everybody say false prophets, also arose among the people. Now, what's key in that? Didn't mean that they came from out of nowhere. They rose from among the people, y'all. That's key. Just as there will be false teachers among you. Peter was speaking to the church 2,000 years ago. But this is a rhema word for today as well. He's speaking to us. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies, denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many, everybody say many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth, everybody say truth, will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. That is what's happening today. I love this part, it says their condemnation from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. You know, I heard from a pastor in New Zealand which by the way, I was doing a little bit of research on New Zealand. Did you know there's 27 million sheep in New Zealand? Shocking, right? And there's only like 5 million people. So if you like do the math there, I'm highly analytical. For every one person, there's like more than five sheep. That's a lot of sheep. I was talking to a guy in the lobby after the first service and he was like, I was in New Zealand. I literally got stuck in a sheep crossing. I was like, what is that? He's like, my car wouldn't move because there were sheep. So like, this is a real thing. And maybe y'all knew that. I, I was kind of oblivious to the sheep in New Zealand. Anyway, so this pastor, his dad was a sheep farmer. imagine that. And his job as a child was to tend to the sheep. So he goes out one day and he's tending to the sheep and he's watching them. And literally one of the sheep walks up to this imaginary object, like, nothing there and jumps over it and he keeps walking (laughs) then the next sheep goes right up behind him imaginary object which means nothing there right jumps over it and keeps walking and the same thing happens with the next sheep and the next sheep now you might be like okay that's kind of harmless and what is your point in all this well let me just tell you last year There was a false prophet, an imaginary object that we almost got behind. You know, when Black Lives Matter, the organization came out with their statement, Black Lives Matter, I was like, 100% I agree. I love all of God's children. That's his word, absolutely. But when we started to look under the covers and understand what this organization stood for. It did not line up with the word of God. In fact, their mission was undercutting the very hierarchy that God established for the family unit. They were pushing (laughs) homosexual agendas, a Marxist society. I was like, whoa, 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 I'm not jumping over that one. We've gotta know what we're following. You know, this New Zealand pastor said, Another day, he's tending to the sheep, and one of them wanders off into a creek. And this creek happened to have, like, deathly eels. Like, this is a crazy country. I need to go, clearly. It's on my bucket list. I want to see the, the um, sheep eating eel. But the, the eels would come up to the sheep in the water and start biting at their ankles. And the sheep would just obliviously stand there in a death pool. And so the, pa- like the, the, the pastor who's tending to the sheep would watch other sheep come alongside of them in a death pool, and they're literally standing there being eaten alive. Come on, somebody. That's what's happening to some of us today. We're standing in a death pool and the enemy is just biting away at us little by little. You know what he did? He took his shepherd's hook and he grabs them and he pulls them out of the water. Can I just tell you, today more than ever, it is so important to be under the covering of a spiritual leader or a pastor. If you are not, I would encourage you to do so today. And guys, can I just give you a word of caution? Do not get mad when your pastor corrects you, because I guarantee they might be pulling you out of a creek with some flesh-eating eels. Y'all tracking with me? We've got to know who we're following. So who do we follow? Jesus. That's right. Y'all are with me. He's the way, the truth, and the life, right? He's the good shepherd. John 10 verse 1 says, very truly I tell you Pharisees, this is Jesus. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. That's Jesus. And the gatekeeper, the church, opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out. When he is brought out all on his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow because they know his what? His voice but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Can I ask you a question today? Do you irrefutably, undeniably know the voice of Jesus? If he were to speak to you right now, would you be able to distinguish his voice from the lies of the enemy or from the other false prophets? That is not meant to be a condemnation. That's to encourage you. And if you don't know Jesus' voice, I would encourage you, go back to number one. Draw on the word. Because when you read the word of God, which means his name, you will get to know his voice. Know who you are following. You know, speaking of sheep, because clearly I spent a lot of time studying sheep for this message. And I went down this whole like sheep trail, like, Learned all about them. If you want to have a conversation after service, I will tell you everything I learned. But I came across this veterinary manual from Merck Animal Health. And this statement just jumped off the page at me. I wanted to share it with you. Flock dynamics are apparent in groups of four or more as evidenced by willingness to follow a leader or to flee in unison. Does sound familiar? Separation from the flock can cause stress and panic. Isolation from other sheep can cause severe stress and should be avoided. You know what this made me think about? What happened in our country last year when our, our, our nation shut us down in isolation? Literally, we are like sheep. Clearly Jesus refers to us as sheep, he's the good shepherd. And we lock down. We're in isolation. It causes severe panic and stress. Brings me to my last point. I'm almost finished. Avoiding the summer retreat, you got to get out of your stronghold. Get out of your stronghold. You know, when David was running from King Saul, he's literally convincing himself that that's the best path. In fact, we can read his self-dialogue in First Samuel chapter 27 verse one, but David thought to himself, which sometimes can be dangerous, y'all, "One of these days, I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand." That is bad self-talk. But sometimes we go there, right? We face something difficult. We start talking in our head like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go to that church event because, you know, I just, I don't want anybody to know what I'm facing. And my, maybe maybe my fear will be visible and I, I'm just going to stay home. And then that turns into, you know, I'm just, I'm going to take a season of rest from serving at the church. Because, you know, I just, I have a lot going on and I just, I need to focus my energy on this thing and we find ourselves withdrawing, not only from people, but from God. We're spinning in our heads, forgetting that we've got the creator of the universe on our side who's sitting here going, I'm a gentleman, invite me in, I got what you need. Can't retreat. We can't pull back. You know, I want to share a funny story really quick. A couple of years ago, our pastors were in our neighborhood and they called and they said, hey, we're in the neighborhood, can we come by? And we're like, well, we're not going to tell our pastors no, right? Like, come on over. They show up, it's like 8 o'clock at night and they come with a box, a dozen hot and ready donuts. My kids were five, three, and one at the time. And they were all jacked up on sugar, running around my house. Like, we don't eat a lot of sugar in my house, so they were bouncing off the walls. And Pastor Penny starts chasing them. And my five-year-old like goes to like her safe spot, like her hiding place in her closet. And she's there for a while, and we kind of lose track of her. She comes out, she'd beat herself. She was there for so long. And I kind of teased Pastor Penny. I'm like, you scared the pee out of my little girl. You can give her a hard time about that. But in all seriousness, like David, like my sweet little Cora, when you feel chased by the circumstances of life, it's easy to draw back to a place of hiding, right? It's easy to go, I'm just gonna sit this one out. I'm not gonna comment on that because I just don't wanna create any issues. When life heats up, sometimes we withdraw. You know, I'm guilty of this. I'm an Enneagram eight. When under, y'all know what Enneagram is? It's a personality profile. Well, eights are like challengers. Like we have a lot to say all the time but under extreme stress and pressure, we withdraw and we isolate. I know when I'm stressed because I look at my social calendar and it is non-existent. I love what David says in Psalm 139 verse seven, he's crying out to God, which thank goodness he did so. He says, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? to be out of your sight. And you can just imagine, he's in a rough place and he's crying out. He recognizes he's been hiding, not only from Saul, but from God as well. If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I fly on morning's wings to the western horizon, you'll find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. He sees you right now. He sees you right now in what you're facing, in what you're struggling with. He sees you. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact, darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. You see, God came after David. Because he said, listen, I got plans for you. You can't hang out in your place of isolation because I need you to come on back. 1 Samuel 22, verse three. From there, David went to Mizpah. So even though David's crying out to God, he returns back to his place of isolation. You see, his parents had come to be with him, right? And he starts to get worried like, well, wait a second, if Saul finds me here, What about my parents? So he brings his parents to the king of Moab and he's like, please, can you hold on to them until I can hear from God, keep them safe. The scripture says, so he left them with the king of Moab and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. The scripture just before this called it a cave. I looked up the definition, y'all. A cave is like an underground space, but a stronghold in the Greek, it means a fortress. It means a prison. Just like the Holy Spirit warned me, when we keep going back to that place of retreat, of isolation, it becomes a prison. We are rendered completely ineffective when we isolate, when we retreat, when we pull back. That's not where God calls us to go. You know, he loved David so much that he sent him the prophet Gad. Here's David hiding out in his stronghold. I can picture myself there. And Gad comes to him and he says, David, you need to get out of your stronghold. You need to get out of your isolation. You need to get out of your place of darkness, out of your fear, and you need to go to the land of Judah. You know what the the name Judah means? It means praise. Can you guys just stand to your feet for a second? I just feel like, man, I was praying over you guys like crazy this whole week, and God was saying to me, there are strongholds like nobody's business that we need to break off of God's people, and I am here today representing the prophet Gad like he did for David, and if you are willing to admit the stronghold that you're in, I can promise that God is going to show up to break that off of you today. Will you just lift your hand? If you are in a place of a stronghold, there's something that's been holding you back. Will you just lift your hands? Be honest. Thank you. Thank you. Hands up all over the room. Hands up all over the room. I just want to pray over you. Keep your hands raised. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of all, that you sit on the throne and nothing will remove you from that place. God, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in me right now to break off the strongholds that exist within this room, that exist for anyone under the sound of my voice. Father, I break off addiction in the name of Jesus. I break off the fearfulness of speaking with your voice. In the name of Jesus, I break off adultery. In the name of Jesus, Father, I speak to those who've been betrayed, and I tell them, because of you, you've not left them nor forsaken them. You stand right with them. God, we thank you that these strongholds are falling off of people right now. Even as we pray, Father, we thank you for broken chains, for prison doors swinging wide open, In the mighty and precious and holy name of Jesus, Amen, Amen. Now, will everybody just lift their hands? We're just gonna do what David did, going to the land of Judah and praising our King for a moment. Our worship team's gonna lead us. Just lift your hands. Just praise your Father. You have torn
0: apart the sea. You have led me through.
1: yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can I tell you, that's the best decision you will ever make. I can speak to that firsthand. And if you want to accept that gift, it's free. Will you just lift your hand right now? Nobody's looking around. I just want to pray over you. If you're in here, you want Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just lift your hand. Thank you for the hands. Thank you. Church, let's all just pray together. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending Jesus, the savior, the answer. I believe that Jesus died. I believe that Jesus rose. I believe that Jesus forgives me of my sins and transgressions. Today, I make Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. Amen.
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.